welcome back to Counter In. We are super excited to have Jessica here with us today. Jessica's vibe energy is all up there and we are here for it. How are you doing today? Oh my gosh, it's been a long day, but I'm so ready for this conversation, for your guys' energy and just ready to kill it. I feel that honestly. Like, so it's October 15th for me now, but October 14th was such a long day. Like it felt like a week. Like yesterday felt like a full week. I feel like I went through a week of emotions, a week of um, activities, a week. It was a week. <laughs> I feel 100%. like time is so weird sometimes too. Like, I feel like, I feel like everyone talks about it, but like when I'm on the erg for a minute, it feels like the longest freaking minute of like my entire life. But then like when I'm doing work, like a minute, like it goes by like that. Or like if I'm walking to class, all of a sudden, like a 10 minute walk can be made in five minutes. It's such a weird thing for sure. No, it really is. Time is a, time is a human construct. Oh my goodness. That's a whole other conversation. Not for me right now, but that we're getting deep. I want to get there. I want to get there. We need to find the time and place. But yes, that is it. The time human construct, that is a whole, whole situation. Yeah. And I feel like when we get to the root of it, everything's a social construct. And that's one of the big things that I've been like having, like experiencing over the summer. It's like success is a social construct, like university, the name branding behind it, like everything is and everything's kind of perception. So that's like a huge thing I've been thinking about a lot. Yeah. I'd love to unpack that a little bit. Like what kind of led you to that conclusion or led you to that like realization. Ooh, are we gonna dive right in, or should we're I gonna dive I right in? Okay, we're ready. We're All ready. Right. <laughs> cool. So I guess for a bit of background on me, I've moved around a lot, seen the world. I've moved sixteen times, mostly in developing nations. Like you guys, I'm a TCK, so third culture kid. And I like since a young age, I've been like, I'm gonna change the world. I'm gonna make the world better. I'm going to achieve all of these goals. Success is this, like success is what's going to make me like feel fulfilled, happiness. I'm going to be CEO, going to be a founder. Um, like just going to like change the world. Absolutely. And I was like, never doubted that. And I was like, when I get there, I'm going to be like super happy. And then kind of got there and I was like, y'all, this is not what I expected. I thought that I was going to be like this whole different person. And then I realized that like everything that you expect is kind of an illusion that others put upon you. Mm -hmm. And it's really very much not what you think it is. At least for me, it wasn't. I was like, oh, I'm just gonna be like this boss ass bitch who's like feeling fabulous all the time. And no, like you still have shitty days. And that was one of the big things that I realized that like success is not gonna solve everything. And it's really like how I feel at the end of the day. And like all these external metrics or titles didn't really matter if I wasn't feeling good. So yeah, burnout is very real. That is so, so, so true. I could like double tap to literally every single one of that. Like that is so, 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 so true. true. But just before we get into a little bit more about that, I'd love to take a step back and ask you, what are you bringing to the table today? What sort of takeaways, lessons and insights from all these amazing like tidbits you've already shared with us do you hope to bring to the table both literally and figuratively? Ooh, okay. So literally I'm bringing tea. I'm always drinking tea. Like huge what tea type person. Of tea? What type of tea? Um, it's uh, English breakfast tea, like bold with milk. So just classic. classic. That's my go-to. Every single right? day, English breakfast tea with a splash of oat milk with a sl- splash. With ice sometimes. Ooh, Ooh. So Ooh. 
yeah okay i, do that. I know that Waylon. With, with the with the oat milk and everyone's like is that coffee Ooh. not coffee it's tea it's, it's so not good. coffee yeah Gotta try it huge <laughs> and then they're like is it milk tea and i'm like no it's english breakfast tea like there's a difference but yeah i feel like having like spent so much time in asia tea is just a thing that like is very very much like my daily routine and without it i'm not me like i don't do coffee i do tea so. I did a Chinese tea ceremony or two days ago. I was with my Chinese teacher and I walked out and my friend was there and he was speaking to another Chinese teacher and they were doing this like beautiful tea ceremony. They had like all the cups and, you know, they have like um, some sort of like tool that you don't even touch the cup, like to put it on your plate. They had all these little like icons where you pour the water onto it. It changes the color or like sprouts out. It's all symbolic of something like it's beautiful. Tea is beautiful. Do you have a favorite oh. memory with tea? Ooh, okay, 100%. So I feel like I don't have many constants in my life because like of moving so much, but tea has been one of the things that's always been there. When I was younger, one of the things that I would do was with my mom was have like morning bonding time where she would just like read a book for, to me for like 15 minutes to wake me up. And I would always fall back asleep because like my mom's voice is so relaxing. She's so awesome. Of course, and, like, yeah. I was just like, yep. I feel comfy and just fall back asleep. But then in the morning, she'd like bring me a tea. So that's like our little bonding time. And I always tell her that no tea tastes as good as when she makes it. I don't know that what is she the does. the sweetest thing. But it's just like, she puts in so much love and I love it. And I miss it so much when she's like, when I'm away from home, which I've been since 15. So like, yeah, that's been a big thing. Tea and my mom. Yeah. And then to kind of bring us back, um, what is something figuratively you're bringing to the table? Okay, so one of the things that I kind of want to demystify success mm-hmm. and what it is and kind that. of the startup world and being a founder and like kind of the things that we don't talk about. 100% for sure. So what's the first thing on your mind with that? Why is this something you're thinking about right now? Is this something that like happened recently to you? Or is this always something you've kind of been percolating about? No, it's been something that's been very much recent since like the summer. I was living in the Bahamas before where I had like a ton of friends because of my dad's work in the hotel industry. And then we moved out of the blue to Mexico for a new position. And I was at home for like a month and a half. And I didn't know anyone in Mexico. And I just had a lot of alone time. And that's when I was like, oh, like I thought that the success that I built for myself would really, or like keep me warm at night, like quote unquote, you know, like that was Mm going to make all of the difference. Like younger me was like, oh, like when I'm successful, I'm going to be happy. And that was really like, it really hit me like, well, it's like, I'm quote unquote successful. I don't feel super happy. And it's like, I really had to reevaluate what happiness meant for me, what being fulfilled went for me um like and what I want to do with success and I really realized that like that success like whole like wow amazing young founder thing is going to take much less of a precedent in my life than like my emotional happiness and well-being is that's so 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 important I love that I really want to get into that more but before that Waylon what do you bring to the table today both literally and figuratively oh my goodness okay so literally I'm bringing um my parents came and visited around two months ago um, for the first time, which was super exciting. And my mom brought me to H Mart. Um, and so for our audience, H Mart is kind of like a 
Korean supermarket here in America. Um, and they carry a lot of Asian goodies, which is super nice and reminds me a lot about home. And so we went there together. We had a big cart and she got me this like giant jug of like lemon yuzu honey tea. Like you like spoon it and you like mix it with hot water. Um, and I've been feeling pretty under the weather recently. And so I made myself like three glasses of that right when I woke up. I was like, let me just see what will help me get through today. Um, So that was really nice. And then I hope to bring to the table a lot of love. I feel like a lot of love, hopefully to myself, but also a lot of love to this podcast. I feel like with midterm season and all of that, I haven't really been able to give my all to the podcast and really give my all to like my headspace has kind of just been like all over the place. So I'm super excited for this night to be kind of like a self-care, but also like be here, be present kind of night. What about you, Allie? Uh, what are you bringing to the table? Literally, iconically bringing my oatmeal. Haven't had it in like two weeks just because I was out. So I was like, what do I do with my life? But it was okay. I made it through somehow. Um, but now we're back on the grind. We're excited. Irritably, I'm bringing a sense. How do you, okay. I'm going to explain the situation. I'll see if you guys can put these in one to two words for me. So yesterday I had um, stitches done and I had like anesthetics. I'm like, I'm fine. I'm fine. No big deal. And like, I was like running. I was fine. I had like, this is like an open wound for like three weeks. And I didn't realize I needed stitches. But then the doctor was like, this is like more than a cut. I'm like, well, I should have been told that. Like, cause someone advised me otherwise. Long story short, had stitches. There was an infection, anesthesia. It wasn't fun. But then I was like, it is fun. Like it was cute. And around like 4 or 5 p.m. And I also refuse painkillers. <laughs> so I was like, I'm fine, I'm fine. I don't need painkillers, I'm fine. So around 4 or 5 p.m. I was like, fuck, I am in pain. This is terrible. I was like standing up all day. Like my shit is, I'm like, it's bleeding. It's disgusting. I can stop. And like, I don't like gory stuff. And I was like, I am in so much pain. Like no one went with me. It was so like, it was, I treated like getting stitches after it was like some sort of like, oh, like got that task done. Like picked up my that, like did that or like, met with my teacher. I was like, this was a fucking medical procedure. Like this was like kind of a big deal. Like I had to do a thing and decide all these things. It was like a couple hours to go back today. I have to go back in two weeks and I had to go all these doctors notes. I can't do stuff. And I don't think I realized like how big of a thing it was. And I'm like, wow, like I need to rest. I need to like rest in bed. Like my leg is in immense pain. So if there's a way, like being acknowledged about the pain, I don't know if that makes sense. Just being gentle with yourself. Gentle, gentle. Yeah. Like, gentle, Allie, gentle. you should not gentle. be running right now. Literally, no, my friend, my friend was like, that. she's like, Allie, if I see you fucking running, I'm going to kill you. I'm like, yeah, honestly, I would do the same. I would, I would, oh I literally would goodness. hurt. Yeah. yeah, so you're going to be gentle. Also gentle to the mind as well. Like I've been beating myself up this entire week, which has been cool. so bad for me. Like so, so, so bad. Like love to talk about that a little bit. Like with that in terms of success as well, because it's always that like internal voice that's behind you. You can do more, you can do this. This is wrong. Someone says one thing to you. You're like, yeah, they're totally right, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, load on you you can be your biggest enemy would love to hear your thoughts about that jessica oh my gosh i want to dive into that but right before that you know what that's happened totally. to me so many times with going to the doctor <laughs> and like i had like lasik this summer and then like i've, I've had a bunch of surgeries because i have endometriosis love being a woman and just like dysmenorrhea and like ovarian cysts and here's the thing when you go to the hospital they don't treat it like a big deal because they're dealing with like life and death situations on a day-to-day basis so it's like oh it's just like two stitches you'll be fine but for someone who like is like healthy most of the time that's like a big shock to your body Mm -hmm. so that's been my thing but yeah let's dive into your mental health your success tell me where you're at (laughs) where are we at where live where are we we take us off (laughs) 
been a roller coaster, truly. I think right now the biggest thing for me is like fixing or working on my relationship with time and working on my relationship with productivity. I recently saw this quote, which was really funny. It was kind of like a joke, but also like hit a like I hit a soft spot, if you know what I mean. But it was like tomorrow holds all of the possibilities of productivity, where it was like you always say like tomorrow is going to be the most productive day. You go to sleep, you're like, tomorrow I'm somehow going to work for 12 hours straight. Somehow I'm going to push myself to the limit. Somehow I'm going to get everything done. And I feel like the last couple of weeks has really been that, where I'm like, if I push myself today to do the most, then tomorrow will be easier. Or if I don't go out today and I just stay home and work, tomorrow will be easier. But tomorrow's never easier. It's never easier. And so I think realizing that and like realizing that I'm not a robot and I can't work for like 12 hours straight um, has definitely been something I'm trying to work on. I think the idea of like taking a break is so scary to me. And like, I want to be more, I guess, like be more gentle with myself. But um, I'd love to hear kind of like your thoughts on your relationship with productivity as well. Like as a founder, you know, going through different stages in your life, how has that been for you? Ooh. I just want to like take a second and be like 100% that's a very real thing there's this quote in Spanish that says like tomorrow's always the busiest day because we're always like oh yeah tomorrow tomorrow so that's very real and very normal I think I'm like very obsessive with organization and time management so that's one of the things that like right now I'm not struggling with too much but in the past I'm known through my friends for never having time. Even my group um, at school, they're like, Jess, you're always running to a meeting. I'm like, I know. I organize myself and like, I'm very busy. And that's something that I just enjoy doing because when I'm bored, like that's, I don't enjoy being bored, but that might be a bigger, bigger problem to dive into. So the one thing that I've been thinking about a lot that I don't know if it's helpful for you, but school grades mm-hmm. don't really matter. And Ooh. we don't talk about that enough. Mm-hmm. So in my undergrad, I was like very gone home, like being like top 5% in my undergrad, like being valedictorian or whatever, like graduating top of my class. And then I got there and I was like, no one cares about grades after you graduate, unless you're like looking to get into like the top, like, I don't know, 1% of investment banking. And that's hard enough to get into. Um, and like, if you get in through connections, like the grades aren't even going to matter that much. So right now um, I'm doing a master's program and I'm like, you know what, I am going to turn in my homework late, or I'm not going to put like 100% effort in because I'm running like doing 10 different things. And like, it's not really going to matter because it's more the knowledge that's important than the grade. So yeah, like my life has gotten a lot better since I realized that. Yeah. Can we talk about grades for a second? Okay. So when I was in high school, everyone was obsessed about grades. I obsessed about grades. Everyone obsessed about grades, like getting those perfect grades to get into college. And then everyone's like, oh, and you get into college grades don't matter. Why do I still care about grades so much? And why does everyone here still care about grades so much? Like I'm freaking stressed. I'm like, I need to get all A's in all my classes perfectly. Like my midterms, like I can't accept anything less. I'm like, I'm so upset with myself if I don't get that. And like, this is the only way that I could like, even like apply to jobs. It doesn't even make sense. No one's asking my grades once once even like all my friends like no one asks no one talks about it especially in the same as high school even for all the opportunities and all like the success I've had no one's once asked my grades like wait like, has anyone said anything about grades on Cruise Network like never once no never once yeah I think like the only thing that I've been told is like your grade your GPA like 
your first job, like that's the only time where like people look at it, right? Like people like look at your GPA, but like after that first job, like everyone just looks at like what else you've done with your life, right? Because like it's more than just a number, right? And I think that like we are fortunate enough to live in a time where I feel like the culture is changing around it. But I think like when you're on campus and when you're surrounded by people who most of the time are not doing things outside of school or are still in the high school mentality that like grades are everything, like make or break it, like it becomes really hard to like not feel bad when you don't do well, right? Um, Yeah, I think it's a habit that we like have from a young age because we're always being tested. And then I've heard like a lot of people like after graduating, they're like, I have nothing to like aim to. I have nothing to prove. Like I'm not having constant like tests to tell me that I'm doing well. And that's like also a huge thing about realizing that like your worth is not your grades. You're like being smart is not manifested through grades either. So I don't know what else to say. It's just annoying. No, it's yeah. crazy. It really I think is. it's a work in progress for sure. I think we say that sure. about a lot of things on this podcast. Um, but I think grades and our relationship with grades too is a work in progress for sure. Yeah, I would love to hear a little bit more about like the journey of success for you. Like I would love to hear about like your earliest memory of like what did it mean to be successful when you were a kid? And then how has that kind of developed as you've grown older? For sure. All right. So um, have you guys read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, the book? Yes. I have. I have. Okay. I have. I have. Yeah. Okay. So I read like the teens version when I was like 11 or something. Cause for context, I'm dyslexic. So I listen to audiobooks like for fun. And since a young age, like I don't read, I listen to books. And for some reason I got into self-help books at a very, very young age. Really same. Like, it fucked me up though. Like if you get into it too young, you're like, I'm 12 years old. Like what the fuck's wrong with you? You're fine. You're like, nothing's wrong with you. You're fine. There's a whole exactly industry about like why self-help is fun. Yeah. No, right. it's ridiculous. I had no business worrying about success at 11. You know, it's not going to matter. Mm-hmm. Like learning how to save, learning what assets are liabilities, like how you should be dividing your income, like saving for retirement before I even got into like high school. So I think like since a young age, like I put a lot of pressure on myself to like like, get those grades and like get those success and like external metrics. Cause I'd always seen like being a young founder is something that I wanted to do. And like set such high goals. Like when I was 18, I was like, ah, I haven't made a million dollars yet, you know? Or like, I haven't published my book yet. And just like ridiculous goals that like, I was very, very set on reaching. And that just like could have been reached. And I'm like very aware of that, but also like circumstances and privilege play a big role in stuff. And we often don't talk about that either. How like it's a lot of things are luck and where you're positioned in life. So since a young age, I've been like wanting to be successful and then not realizing how like the college system is like something people like work for from a really, really young age. I'm German and Spanish. Like I never even knew what the SAT was until like one year before I graduated. And then just realizing that like success is very much like dictated by those who are like are in power and label it. And there's like a single narrative that's like pushed on us. And then I listened to your podcast episode where you're talking about like slow entrepreneurship, the first one and how like entrepreneurship is like a whole process. And I realized like during the summer as well, I don't want to peak at 21. I don't want to have like a multi-million dollar business at 21. 
I've run things. I've been a CEO. I'm not a great CEO yet. I have so much work to do. Like I'm a CEO in training right now for my venture that might be like huge, but I'm not peaking at 21. I'm peaking at like 30 at 40 because then I'll have the knowledge to be like the best leader and like businesswoman I can be. Yeah, for That's sure. So amazing. I think there's so many people who I meet who are like, I think I peaked in high school or I think I peaked last year just because back to the grades thing, like they had the highest GPA then, they had the best internship then, they felt the best mentally, whatever, socially they were doing the best. And I'm like, you're like 18. Like if you think about it realistically, you're like barely one fifth of your whole life. Like I was sitting with one of my friends last semester at the end of one of our big finals and we sat on these like lounge chairs and we were both leaning back. He looked at me and he was like, shit, like, we're, we have to do this five more times. And I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, we're not even 20 yet. Like, imagine your whole life multiplied five times. And I was like, oh my goodness, that's crazy. And like, it makes every little thing that happens on a week by week basis feel less pressure. And so I thought that was really cool. Just like the fact that like things matter, but they don't matter like to that much of an extent, like you're still on that curve of success um, and that curve of your life, which is really awesome to see. Where do you think you are right now? Like, give us a rundown of like what you're up to. What are you excited about? What's going on? For sure. Okay. But I'm going to circle back to your point really quickly. Mm -hmm. I don't know what I was watching. I was watching something and this woman was like, probably self-help or something. Um, and someone's like, look back 10 years ago, look at where you are now and look at how much you've achieved. And I was like, 10 years ago, I was 11. Like, that's not a good comparison for us because like we have five more times of life doing this, but like, I don't really remember much like from when I was younger, you know? So I'm like really excited to see what more is to come when I can actually remember it more, like in my twenties or thirties. But life right now, I am getting into venture capital. My goal is to move to New York next year and be a VC analyst and focusing on that. Uh, yeah, I think like that's my main shift. I think I'm changing from like the operations and like being the founder or like running startups from the inside to wanting to like kind of have a bigger picture with more stability just because like I failed a lot like um, running companies and stuff like that. And sometimes like people don't really talk about the failures in startups. And I want something that I can actually stand for and be like, I built this. Like I worked with X numbers of founders, raised this much money and yeah, have more mentorship and people to learn from. I love that. And that's definitely something we don't talk enough about the startup world. I feel like it's very like glitz and glam. So um, I'd love to hear like, what are some of your biggest lessons from, you know, being a founder, running operations and how are you going to transfer all of that knowledge into your next adventures going forward? Okay, this might be a bit controversial, but one of the things that I've realized working with founders, working with VCs is there's a lot of narcissism and like self-idolization within the ecosystem, especially because you're talking to extremely high achievers, extremely like ambitious people. And that's kind of in the DNA of being a founder. And like, I definitely include myself in this, not saying that I'm better than anyone, like 100% I'm there as well. But yeah, like to think that you have something that like thousands of people who probably tried to tackle the problem before you, um, if you have something special, like that takes a little bit of something. And then we often don't talk about like the negative 
like parts of being like a founder being in the VC world with so many strong personalities, especially because there are so little women in the space. So yeah, the VC I want to work for, I want it to be female-led for sure. Absolutely amazing. And I think that's such a great lesson you share. So I guess anyone who's listening right now who maybe wants to get into more startup world or even the VC world, what advice would you have for them to help deal with these sort of personalities and things like that? Because everyone has difficult people to deal with no matter where you are in your life. So what advice would you have for someone who's kind of dealing with someone who you think is a little narcissistic, a little self-idealized, but then maybe you are as well? What would you say to that person? I would say don't change who you are for others. I think I'm like a very, like I have my emotions like very present. And one of my memories was like, I kind of had like a quote unquote, like founder breakup where I was like working with a founder and like, it didn't work out. And like our exit talk went very south. And I kind of, like, I thought this person was a friend and turns out they weren't, but that's fine. Like happens, but I was emotional. So I cried a little bit. And then they're like, girls don't cry. This is business. Like you need to get yourself together. And I was like, why do you want me to stop crying? And they're like, oh, you're making me uncomfortable. So the reason they wanted me to stop crying was because it was making them uncomfortable. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, maybe like being emotional isn't a thing that should be like present, but this is also like who I am. And I'm not going to change that because I lead with like, I'm sensitive. I'm an intelligent person. And just because it makes someone else uncomfortable, I think is a great like screening process to see like who you want in your life and who you don't. I watched a TikTok today where it was like, why is it still like a stereotype that women are the ones who are emotional in the workplace? Because there's no one more emotional than like a white man who's angry. Oh, you didn't like my idea. I'm angry. I'm sad. And now I'm angry. I'm this. And now I'm angry, right? Like, it's like so ridiculous that women are still like taught like you're not allowed to cry you're not allowed to show your emotions you have to be this like boss ass bitch all the time and like you have to be like you know like the iron fist woman right like all of these stereotypes of like what it means to be a woman in the workplace and on the other hand you have men who are like big babies sometimes to be quite frank right like in the workplace where it's just normal for them to throw temper tantrums or it's normal for them to be angry right like I don't know. I feel like there's such a double standard there. And I was definitely very hyped up about this. uh, Yeah. It's like, I'm sorry for being in touch with my emotions, you know, and emotionally intelligent. Sorry that you've been repressed. Like, not like, I I don't think I'm the one in the wrong. (laughs) You know, like, look at your emotions, sort them out. Maybe go to therapy. Therapy is so important. Oh my God. Therapy is so important. Waylon and I cannot sing this louder. Guys, you need to go to therapy too. Especially being a founder, you need to be in your best place mentally if you're managing a huge group of people. And if you're making big impact, you need to be making that for the right reasons and leading properly. And ah, can I just rant for another second? So go off. Okay. In one of my classes that we had, um, so I'm doing a grad program in master's in business analytics. And then the first day we had leadership class, which also, first of all, leadership can't be taught in the classroom. It's something that you learn and do. Leaders are made, not like shown in a PowerPoint. So that's my first thing. But then they made us watch Return of the Titans, which is a football movie about like high school football and like racial inequalities and people going through it. It's a great movie. But then we based like two lectures on leadership within a movie where there was not one female character. I'm not sure if you've heard of the Bechtel test, but it's like 
a very, very basic test that talks about like, are they two female characters? Do they talk to each other? Do they talk to each other about something that's not guys? And the, it was two young girls who were talking about dolls, which was the only reason why this movie passed it. And it's like, great, if we put leadership in the perspective of being strong and powerful and all of this, then like women might not be great leaders, but is it our fault or should we be redefining leadership? Should we be making leadership like more emotional, more wholesome, more like inclusive? Like that's my big issue, but yeah, that's been on present lately. I think there's so many different types of leaders that I feel like only now people are starting to recognize that it doesn't have to look a certain way. I think growing up, like we were definitely taught like a leader is someone who's extroverted, a leader is someone who like does A, B, and C. But now I feel like people are readjusting and kind of like redefining what that that looks like for them, right? And like, okay, like a leader can look like D, E, and F too, right? Like it's so important to realize that leadership is not just one way and that it's important to have different leaders in the room and that there doesn't have to be just one leader. I don't know. It's so many things. Absolutely. Like I think there's, indeed having like one type of leader is the same way of like talking about like how we should only have one type of person there, like diversity wise in terms of race and gender identity and all that sort of thing. Like if you want to think about just humans or like ecosystems, like Amazon is like touted as the world's most diverse and like healthy, prosperous place because it's as diverse as possible. So like we should have our businesses like the Amazon and have them as diverse as possible in terms of personality as well, not just one size fits all. Yes. And you know where I even saw it? In the Forbes 30 under 30 summit, they were like um, doing the marketing and they just have like for female leaders, just three women who looked exactly the same. And it's like leadership as a woman shouldn't just be like one skin color, one hair color, like copy paste. We can't just be leaders because we talk about dating or like relationships or have like, it's so multifaceted. And why aren't we showing like women in crypto? Why aren't we showing women in Web3, women in finance, women in tech? Like, where are they? Like, we're there. But I just feel like, oh, it doesn't sell as much as like these other areas. And that's just been a big, like, I want to change that. I always tell my friends, like, I don't want to be on the billionaires list because I want to be a billionaire. I want to be there so I can be like, yeah, see this woman who isn't on the billionaires list because of like, A, a beauty product or B, her family's money. Like, that's kind of my goal. We'll see if I get there. Love it, love it, love it. So until you get there, looking forward, where do you hope to be maybe in five, 10 years? And with that, what do you hope to leave on the table? So for future generations, for an entrepreneur who's a young founder like yourself in five, 10 years, what do you hope to leave on the table today? This is deep. Honestly, I think I'm going to honor myself in saying that I don't know where I'm going to be in five to 10 years. And that's okay. Because my younger self would have been like, oh, I'm going to be CEO of like my own um, company. We're making like 50 million per year, X, Y, Z. And it's like kind of putting myself on like a standard that if I don't reach it, I'm not successful. So my goal is like, whatever I do, I hope I'm happy. I hope I'm fulfilled. I hope I'm making an impact and that'll be success enough for me. And then what do I hope to leave on the table? I don't know. That's something that I haven't really thought about. I'd love to hear your guys' answer, then maybe I can think about it a little bit more. Someone's actually asked us that question back. We usually we ask at the end of all the podcasts. That's a good question. I can say from my end, some things that are on my mind that I want to leave. 
this idea that like you can be happy you still can have that like childhood happiness spirit even when you're older I think like in middle school and high school it gets like cool to be like oh I'm so annoyed the world life sucks like of course it gets sad I had a really good cry yesterday it was fucking amazing but like having that like optimism you wake up every day and every day is a new adventure and you're not like ignorant or like naive because of that it's like you know what's going on in the world like you can still be happy despite that you don't have to like sit and wallow in sadness all the time and you can still just be yourself and people will be in your life who need to be in that life like one thing that I've been thinking about a lot this week is like if it's meant to happen it'll meant to happen like everything happens for a reason but also even in terms of like friendships and that sort of thing like if they're meant to be your friend like things will work out if it's not it, it's not meant to be so yeah kind of having that mentality like things will happen for a reason some things are out of your control and that's okay what about you Aylin? I think one thing that I hope to leave on the table for both myself and people in the future hopefully um is confidence like I think it's so important um that women are taught to be or not taught but like they know that confidence again doesn't have to look a certain way but also that it's okay to be confident both in the workplace outside of the workplace in everything that you do and I hope that I hope that like showing imperfect journeys and showing imperfect paths and redefining what success looks like gives other girls confidence in knowing that they too can find success in their own ways and that they don't have to conform to certain identities or um, paths that have been set out for them. Beautiful. Now, Jessica, take us away. All right. Um, I think like that my core motivation since like a young age has just been like global inequality. So if I can do something about making the world a tiny bit more equitable, even just like helping a thousand people, I think I feel super fulfilled because yeah, the world's just so unjust. There's so much, especially like opportunity inequality and economic inequality, especially in developing nations where I feel like are home for me. So yeah, I feel like that's one thing that I'd like to change. And having said that, I'd love to plug um, the nonprofit that I volunteer for. We're called Maker Girl. We're lowering the gender gap within STEM by teaching 3D printing classes to girls aged 7 to 14, as well as STEM courses. So if anyone wants to donate, volunteer, if anyone knows like young girls would like to participate, we'd be more than happy to have you talk to you. I'm happy to connect with anyone as well. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. And for those who are excited about what you're doing and want to learn a little bit more about you, where can they follow you and connect with you? Totally. Um, I barely have socials, but you can find me on LinkedIn really easy. Um, Jessica Lozano Schmidt. We can add the links in the bio, um, my Twitter and yeah, Maker Girls website and just keep an eye out for whatever next thing I'm building and fingers crossed that a year from now I'll be in New York. Yes, yes, yes. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us on Count Her In, and we're so excited to see what the future has in store for you and to continue to follow your journey. Awesome. I appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me. That wraps it up for today's podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you learned a lot about Jessica and how you can demystify success and be gentle towards yourself. Thank you to Stephanie and Kathleen as our podcast producers too. Check out our past episodes and look out for our upcoming episodes featuring inspiring female entrepreneurs on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening to this podcast now. To stay updated and involved, join the Entrepreneurs Network community on your Instagram and LinkedIn and get in touch with us to share your very own entrepreneurial journey. Thank you.